Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19. I'm where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down like the drain, comes out, like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey, I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City, part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big basketball show coming to you, and it's good to have you with us from the Dave in the City studios at the home of champions, Southern California. It's time for another NBA report with our friend Chris in Georgia, and we'll give you the latest on what's coming and going in the league. Tonight, it is a night of blowouts, which is Fitting because it feeds off of another night of blowouts in the NCAA men's basketball tournament the night before. But the days preceding that were phenomenal. Really great action in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Big upsets. Abilene Christian taking down Texas. Oil Roberts taking down Florida. And Ohio taking down Virginia. Um, and then the and then Oral Roberts also taking down number two seeded Ohio State. I mean, it was a big, big weekend for the underdogs. Uh, but in the middle of that, you still had some favorites do very well and advance to the Sweet 16. Three number one seeds are still alive in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Michigan, Baylor, and of course, the number one overall overall team, Gonzaga, who really have done a tremendous job taking care of business. They are challenged a little bit by Oklahoma on Monday, but they still wound up pulling away at the end. So uh, more to come. I do think that we're not done with upsets. I think we've got some big names going down the next weekend, but we will give you more on that in our subsequent program, our NCAA first and second round recap show with our friend Kristen Syracuse. That is tomorrow. So right now we'll, we'll get into the pros and from the pros, boy, we lost a big one and we are losing two other, two other greats in the NBA to injury. I mean, obviously not permanently, but still uh, tough times for the NBA as we, we try to get back on our feet uh, with, with just a tremendous loss for the sport. Let's jump in. The NBA report for March 23rd. We'll lead off tonight with the loss of an unbelievable legend, uh, the great Elgin Baylor, who died on Monday at the age of 86. Truly an incredible player, amazing player, dazzling. The moves that he made, the, sh the, the dunks that he did, the kind, of move, the kind of passes he can do. He scored 70 points in a game before anybody else did. It was only beat a few months, maybe even less, later by Wilt Chamberlain, who scored 100. But still, the fact remains, you know, just one of the all-time great players in, to ever play on any team anywhere and we were all blessed to have him as a member of the Lakers for the better part of a decade and a half. He started in Minneapolis, moved over to LA when the franchise did in 1960 and he and Jerry West had some good years, went to a lot of NBA finals and had some near misses almost beating the Celtics. Unfortunately for Baylor, the, the year the Lakers won, he retired early in the season so he was unable to enjoy the fruit of championship victory so that always was a bummer but he was certainly a champion to me and many have spoken out praises to him um, and his life and his career as a as a laker great um many people have said and magic johnson's one of them and i've heard from people like brad nestler and marv albert uh, talking about how electrifying he truly was like he was doing the kind of stuff that michael jordan did way before they had the TV coverage to show it. I mean, he was just making some insane moves, probably reverse reverse dunks and that whole thing, jumping over people. Like, you couldn't even believe how amazing he was to watch. So it must have been a real treat for Laker fans throughout the 60s. So a sad day for all of us here who are Laker fans, even if I never actually saw him play. I never even saw one game with him, honestly. Um, so that's interesting. But I never forgot the legend. And I will keep it alive 
through the words of everyone else. So um, with that, we begin. Chris is back with us. And Chris, it's, I'm really happy to have you back with uh, doing the show with me. Um, I think we can start with Elgin. I mean, it, it's certainly been a, a tremendous career. Just a slam dunk, no pun intended. Uh, no, actually, there is a pun intended. We'll get to that a little later, too. But uh, my usage of puns. But uh, but Elgin Baylor, just unbelievable. I mean, I wanted to give it to you first. For First, say hello. How's it going? Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is sad. I mean, I, I, I was... Um, you you broke the news to me. I I didn't see it, and you you told me that he had passed yesterday afternoon, and um, I too had not seen him. I mean, he he basically retired when I was very 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 young, so I I didn't have a chance to see him. And and like you pointed out, you know, his game was was kind of like above the rim, and he was very exciting. He was like Jordan and Dr. J before Jordan and Dr. J, and he kind of he kind of, you know, created that position, like the wing position where and he was like the high flying wing type. Um, and so I was very motivated. So I, I actually went out and got his, I got his book on Amazon, uh, Hang Time, his biography, and I started reading it and I will finish it. But it's, um, it is, it's tremendously sad. Then I went back and looked at man, how good the Lakers were those years. And they lost to the Celtics like six times during the 60s. But, I mean, they were like top of the conference pretty much every single year from 61 through 69. And, um, yeah, it's very sad. They, uh, like you pointed out, I think it was 71-72 was the season that, yeah, I think it was 71-72 was the season that they won. They won. Yep, and he only played like seven games, and he retired, and so he didn't actually uh, truly get to enjoy that. But um, but the biography is interesting. It starts off with him on a plane, and he's sitting next to Jerry West, and I mean, of course, they you know they're they're kind of tied to the hip, right? I mean, they're you know you think about those great Laker teams, it was West and and Elgin, and um, it's talking about how. Uh, it kind of bothered him that at, um, I think this was in 2015, at the uh, Staples Center, they have all these statues of, you know, Los Angeles greats. And it's like Gretzky is there, and I think Magic and, and Jerry West, uh, Luke Robitaille. Um, and I'm trying to remember some of the other names, but uh, Oscar Lafayette was up there. Uh, yep. By then, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And no, no Elgin Baylor. And it is kind of sad and sad reading that now, just thinking about really the impact he had on the sport. And, you know, one, I mean, one of the great Lakers, I mean, in, in history, when you think about the Lakers, there's so many big names and maybe Elgin kind of gets outshined a little bit. Um, but certainly one of the all time greats in, in on, for your team. And, uh, it is a little sad when you think about it. It is sad that, that, uh, that that statue isn't there. I guess I, I assume it's not there. I don't know. Maybe this was like five years ago. It has been a while since I've checked on that, but yeah, it should have been there from the beginning. I agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. Like you can't have Jerry West there and then not have Elgin at the same time. Like that's the beginning of that. But he predated El- Jerry West to begin with. Like he was there first, and he did such unbelievable things. Like like you said, he changed the game. Like in, in you know not in the same exact ways that say Wilt changed the game or. Bill Russell changed the game, but he definitely changed the game. And certainly in modern, in the way we view basketball in the modern age, he was very much at the forefront of those kind of, those kind of moves. So he never seemed to get his due at any level of his career, whether it was as a player at the GM. When I, I mentioned he was a GM for the Clippers for two decades strong, which is crazy. Does he get, does he need more credit for that? I think so because um, as uh, Reggie Miller made pointed out during tonight's broadcast uh, against between the Pelicans and the Lakers, he was fighting a lot of forces in, in the Clippers. So it's not as if he had full autonomy to make the decisions. And I think given the circumstances, he did a pretty decent job. Um, so he didn't really get his due there either. And then after the fact, you know, 
Why doesn't he have a statue? That's a great question. Because I think he should. Like, I mean, they're always fine, but Elgin Baylor is like the dude for like a decade. Like he was, I mean, not a lot of players in, to begin with have scored 70 points. He was the first. There's no, no, there can never be another first of anything. So to be the first to score 70 points in an NBA game, I mean, that's special. So it's just too, I think the problem was that Wilt did his 100 like so soon after that. I think that's why it gets overshadowed, but it doesn't mean you should take it away. So I agree. Overlooked. If you can believe it for someone who has been so great. Yeah, no, and, and you kind of do, you pointed out the uh, his tenure as the Clippers um, VP of basketball operations, and he was there for 22 years, Dave. I mean, that was yep. a long, long run. Long time. 1986 to 2008. I mean, that's a, wait, is that right? Is that, is that possible? Can you believe 96? it? It's, it's, it's true. 96 it to It doesn't really sink in. Yeah. 86 to 2008. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, we, we kind of like rip on the Clippers, but he had some extraordinarily bad luck. Right. Um, right. And I, the, the, the one I think about is, is really when he drafted Danny Manning one overall and Manning looked like he was going to be, that was 88 draft. That was after they, they just won the national. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's right. And he looked, I mean, he looked like he was going to kind of be, that franchise player that the Clippers um, sorely needed in those year, in those days. And um, he had a bunch of injuries and really just never, it never kind of worked out for him. And unfortunately, uh, you know, he, it just, he didn't turn out to be the player we thought he might be, but, um, but yeah, Elgin, you know, I mean, he, he had a long run there, and he, he, like you pointed out, I mean, like behind the scenes, who knows? Who knows what he was dealing with? Because that that franchise, and certainly with their their ownership during that period, uh, it couldn't have been easy for him. And uh, particularly in light of who the owner was, and he, you know, he had a lot of he had a lot of struggles. And I mean, like I think a big part of his book, and I haven't totally gotten into it, but a lot of it is about. Um, you know, just about, you know, being an African-American in the 60s and, and you know, all the, the um, you know, kind of the unwritten segregation laws and... Some were uh, written. Yeah, heard. some were written too. And, and, and a lot of it was just about, you know, like Elgin as, you know, kind of a, as almost like a, a little bit of a civil rights figure. So, right. um, so I'm kind of interested to dig into that a little bit more. But... Um, but yeah, it is. It's extraordinarily sad, and he was 86 years old. So hopefully, you know, he kind of lived a full life, and he kind of did it all. He did. Um, but uh, but yeah, but a but a but a true giant in the sport. Absolutely. And if people won't give him his due as a true giant, I will make the point of doing so myself. Um, he did die of natural causes. I'm thankful to know. So it doesn't sound like he had any major disease or anything of that nature, at least to my knowledge. So I can take comfort in that. Um, and our condolences to the entire Baylor family and to the Laker family, too. I mean, Jerry West, I can only imagine. He's got to be just bawling right now, just crying. Because he's a really good friend of his. And it was clear that they, they, they were tight with one another. So it's, um, it's hard, hard, tough not to be thinking of all those folks today. And the Lakers, too, even the modern-day Lakers. I think they all have been expressing you know some gratitude toward what he brought to the to the to the lakers and they did, are doing now they tried to honor him tonight with the laker ice jerseys as i call them i under i just figured out today that he designed those jerseys i didn't even realize that like elgin baylor's signature is on the jersey in the back somewhere so he actually designed them which i know you don't like <laughs> it's not going to make you like them but it is interesting that he designed that particular white on white jersey with the white numbers Oh, I, I, I don't mind it. I, I'm just, I associate a certain color palette with the Lakers mm -hmm. and, you know, it, the design is fine. I mean, it, it looks great. The script type, I love it. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I just, I think of purple and gold with the Lakers and more often than not, and again tonight, they're wearing blue and white. And it's just like, <laughs> this is, I'm sorry. Not it, the it's just, it, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, and it's great. Look, it's a great look. This uniform is great, but it, you know, I'm sorry, it just doesn't look like uh, 
it'd be like the Celtics come out tomorrow and wear uh, and wear orange. You know, it just it doesn't make sense. To me. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. I understand. So, uh, rest in peace, J- Elgin Baylor. Just an an amazing great. I'm sure more people will come out with their remembrances of your career in the days to come. We'll continue now with our regular coverage and. We start with some significant injuries, big, crippling, so to speak, injuries to the Lakers and to the Hornets. We'll start with the Lakers. LeBron James suffered a high ankle sprain in a in a Saturday afternoon game against the Hawks, which I can't imagine like five people saw on TV because the tournament was on at the same time, but... Uh, that was a rough. That was a rough afternoon because the Lakers ended up wound up losing the game to Atlanta, uh, ninety nine to ninety four on Saturday. So um, it only got worse from there because the Lakers had to go to to Phoenix and play the Suns the next day, and the Suns clobbered them in a just. I think they won by seventeen against the Lakers without LeBron or Anthony Davis, and tonight more of the same. As we met, as uh, we were saying off air, they had to start um, Kakak in, in the starting lineup. So Devon, I think, was it Devonte Kakak? Yeah, and and then uh, you had Taylor Horton Tucker and Kuzma and Harrell, and you know that's just that's just asking a lot against a really talented team like New Orleans to have basically the bench go up against them the entire game. So. As we as we speak right now, the Pelicans are up one twenty five to ninety six, and there are still three minutes to go in the game. So it's going to be a challenge for the Lakers. I, I think the biggest thing is can they make the playoffs with and then have LeBron and Davis healthy in time for the playoffs to start, like before the playoffs start. And it's a little bit up in the air at this point. I mean, it's, ankle sprains are tricky. Achilles injuries are very tricky. So. I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty as to what the timetable is, Chris, and I'll give it to you now for your thoughts on uh, what is going to be a very, very difficult time for the Lakers um, as they continue this this part of the season. Yeah, I can't – I have to go with Don, Devontae Kakak first. I mean, it, this is like a name that, you know, you hear that and you think, why, why aren't Mike and the Mad Dog together anymore? Because <laughs> just – just to hear them butcher butcher that name, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be it'd be uh, it'd be just worth it. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it it's rough. I mean, I I I think the last two times we've talked, I mean, I feel like we we mentioned that you know the 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 actual seating for the Lakers at this point doesn't really matter, um, and you know, I think that. Um, you know, they they could they could kind of play it safe a little bit, and I felt like they maybe they were doing that with with the AD injury. Who knows? I mean, they're kind of they've been very tight lipped about all this, but um, but now with LeBron hurt, it, it becomes much more serious. Um, what struck me about that was and this was a game against the Hawks uh, last week, and LeBron basically someone kind of rolled up on his ankle. And um, and he he hit the deck, writhing in pain. I mean, it looked like his ankle, you know, kind of bent in a way that just did not look natural. And um, but LeBron came back into the game, hits the three from the corner, and then right before the half leaves and doesn't come back. And it's just like, wait, why was he back in the game <laughs> if he has potentially a very serious ankle injury, which? Um, appears he does and uh that just seemed very strange to me and i know sometimes you can you can uh you know the adrenaline's flowing and you can feel good after but i i just feel like that just didn't seem very prudent at, at the time you pointed out something really good here that a lot of the media have not pointed out the fact that he came back into the game after he had already suffered the injury or back on the court that's a that's a poor decision not in whether it's LeBron James's decision or the coaching decision, not a coaching decision not to stop him between the two entities, it's a poor decision. And I feel like there's a I feel like it could have made things worse. So I'll give it back to you. 
Yeah, no, I, I that that was the first thing that struck me is like because I did not see that game because of course I cannot watch any Hawks games anymore. And <laughs> we talked about that last week. Yeah, we talked about it last time. I went on a little bit of a went on a rant a little bit, a little mm. bit of a tangent about TV and sports and all that. But um, but yeah, I think like it just seemed it just seemed weird seeing the highlights. I'm like, oh, LeBron's back in. No, no wait, he's out again. So. What is it? And who made that determination that he should go back in? I suspect LeBron's, you know, LeBron's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. I That's play. what I, I think play. it was, too. Yeah, Probably. I mean, I, I would guess. But at the same time, you know, you got to protect your investment. And um, so that that's what surprised me. Yeah. Um, but going forward, can they make the playoffs? I'm sure. I'm, they, I mean, they are, if looking at the standings right now, they're 28-15. Ten teams make it. They're eight. Wait, let's see. They are. Yeah, they're six and a half up on on Memphis, and who's the ten seed? And they're nine games above Oklahoma City. I mean, I got to think they're not going to go into complete free fall and go into the lottery somehow. But um, so yeah, I I, I I think they make it, but. Um, you know, the important thing is, and again, we pointed this out last time, is just get LeBron healthy, get AD healthy, and that's all that matters. Yes, right? I mean, yes. Like, and just don't don't fool around with this anymore. Just get them healthy. Yes. Get them enough rest. And even if you're even if you're like the five seed and you have to play five four, you have to play the Clippers in the first round or something like that. I mean, do what you got to do and get these guys healthy, and then work on it from there. Because uh, they you know, look. Let's face it; they're playing with house money. They won the title last year. So yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's it's not great... like there's. Yeah, it's not like second year of the Heat with LeBron, where they have to like, you know, they're kind of feeling like they're struggling. They've they've already done it. So, um, yeah. So that's my take. Much less pressure to make a championship run this year over last year. That's a very clear point, and I think it's a good point. And it'll it should allow for a more. Uh, lengthened timetable for them to come back. My concern, I think, if there even was, if there is a concern with that, is when they do come back, will they be at full at one hundred percent? And that I, is hard to really tell right now. An Achilles injury is very tricky, and I I don't have a complete idea of how ankle sprains are, but ankle sprain, high ankle sprains sound pretty pesky as well. So I can't really make a call on that right now. There are about maybe about a maybe like six weeks left in the season, I think. Because don't the playoffs start in May at some point? Yeah, let's see. I'm checking that, that. That is hard to believe. I mean, I feel like, I mean, the season got off to a late start, but mm-hmm. it it's so crazy to think like, yeah, we're almost we're we're actually almost at the playoffs. It's pretty close. So that's the timing of it. Is I think the the toughest part. If this is a month ago, and and you hear about the ankle sprain. There's plenty of time for him to recover from a high ankle sprain if the high ankle sprain was a month earlier. But with it being this close to the playoffs, I'm not sure. So that's that's basically where my concern is. I mean, the the, the you know like this week. I mean, you take what you can get. I obviously I didn't think it was going to be a, much of a shot against New Orleans anyway. So that's fine. You know, like it's not a big deal. Just you know what you gotta do is see what you can do as far as winning the games against the bad teams. And then, and then, well, take it from there. You know, if you can get any kind of advantage against some of these you know, weaker teams, teams that are tanking, if they play the Houston Rockets in the next two weeks, they're going to be in a good. They'll have a win there. I mean, I think the Rockets have finally won a game, but they lost twenty games until they won their one game against uh, t- against Toronto yesterday. So. That's that's like one area where they could improve. So, you know, it's, I'm not saying necessarily doom and gloom. It's just going to be a real challenge for the Lakers next few days and maybe even the next couple weeks too because, you know, these other teams that they're playing, a lot of them are good. So, I mean, Sixers on, on Thursday, that will not be fun either. They might play the no, – when they play the Magic on Sunday, doesn't necessarily mean that's a win. The Magic play good defense. I, I don't know. You know, the Bucks eh, <laughs> look good either. So you know what I mean? Like there's gonna be some, it'll be some bumps in the road, but there'll be opportunities to win as well. They got the Cavs, they got the Kings, they have Toronto. 
I think there's an even a chance they might beat the Clippers just because they might have they might have the rivalry juices flowing. Knicks coming up in April, and then we'll see. So, yeah, I don't. I'm just pretty much just agreeing with you. I don't really have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, you know, you hopefully you get to give some of the younger guys on that team a little bit more experience. You know, like Kuzma and. I mean, Kuzma is almost like kind of the man on this team, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, and Kakak, see what he's got. And then, uh, and Taylor and Horton Tucker, who we, we both like, who we both are big fans of. Yep. Um, get him some more minutes because he really hadn't played that. I mean, he, he, he played a decent number of bench minutes, but, uh, you know, I kind of want to see what he has. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, in the long run, maybe this can make them stronger when you think about it because they have, uh, they kind of they'll kind of have to kind of scramble and figure things out. Yeah, um, I'm with you. It's they got a bad break with this schedule. Like so just to play the basically the second best team in the Western Conference right out of the box without LeBron or AD that that just isn't fair. And then to follow that up with a trip to the Big Easy, that's just that's just that would be hard for any team. That would have been hard if they all were there. So to do it with no neither of them, it's a tough spot. So yeah, I mean. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that was it. I was just going to say, according to Tankathon, which is one of my favorite uh, websites, uh, the Lakers' remaining schedule is the seventh hardest. Yeah, yeah. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, they're it just is. kind of factoring in the, the the actual records of the remaining teams. And, and there are a it, lot of playoff teams in here, or potential playoff teams. Yeah. Portland and is one. Denver. Yeah. I, I would say Toronto is one. You've got the Bucks. You've got the Suns again. Yeah, and even the Knicks are technically one of those. I keep thinking yeah. the Knicks are a bad team, but they're actually not. They they're pretty good this year. So, well, let's say that they're good. I, I don't know. Pretty good is just strong, but they're about five hundred, right? They they just trashed. There's a game under five hundred, and they should have beat Philly the other night, or was it last? Oh night? yeah, yeah. It was a good game. Yeah, that's right. So they were right there. Yeah, they're not they're not bad. I mean, yeah. I mean, props to them. They've really kind of turned it around this mm-hmm. year. One other potential playoff team in in the schedule is the Charlotte Hornets, but their season is in equal turmoil because they lost LaMelo Ball for the entire season. It is a wrist injury, a broken hand for all intents and purposes, and he's done. He will not come back this season. That sucks. I I don't really have a really I don't have a diplomatic way to say it. It, it just sucks. He, he had been so much fun to watch, and so too were the Hornets. It was a great team. It was a great watch. I don't necessarily think great team because their defense was pretty poor, but it's a fun, fun team. And now that, that's got to be a, a, a – and as I told you in the text, it's got to be a buzzkill. I claimed there was no pun intended, but you called me out immediately, and <laughs> indeed the pun was certainly uh, – Oh, yeah, that was – come on. That was... <laughs> That was that was odd. You, you just set that up. I, I mean, did. I did. <laughs> it's tough not to resist that, though. But so I hope that uh, the buzzy, the buzzing, the buzzing ones can weather the storm a little bit. I mean, it's still a good, a good team. You've got Terry Rozier, you have uh, your guy Gordon Hayward, and PJ Washington, and I think Mikhail Bridges or. The other bridges, I keep forgetting. Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges. bridges on the, on the Suns. Okay, but... yeah. So, so Bridges is on there as well. It's not a, it's still not a terrible team. But Lamelo was the straw that stirred that drink, and he was really fun. And so I, I just, it's, I'm just disappointed as a fan of basketball to not see any more of him this year because he, he got him on the map, no doubt. Like it, all the highlights, you know, he's so many highlights, like threes and great passes and. And, and he was all all over the court in both ends. Like it was just a fun, fun player to watch. I hope this doesn't hurt his chances to win Rookie of the Year, because I felt like the damn thing was clinched as far as I was concerned. I, I think he's gonna get it. So if they don't give it to him because he got hurt for a month, I feel like that's unfair. Because I really think that nobody was doing more with his rookie season than he was. And there are some great rookies this year too, but I still think he was better. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I agree with all that. I, I hope, I mean, look, I hope, you know, he, he can come back strong next year. 
Um, you're right. I mean, Charlotte turned into like one of the league pass favorites, and um, yeah, they were a, a whole. They were really fun to watch, and they're still, like you pointed out, they still have good players. I mean, um, Gordon Hayward and, and Rozier have been fantastic. Rozier, especially, man, he's like really become a solid, uh, you know, two guard. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge bummer. I mean, I guess. I don't know if, if who would – I mean, I suppose – I think he'll still win it, the rookie of the year that is. But um, if he doesn't, like maybe someone like Halliburton steps in. I don't know. I, I'd have to look at the rankings. There's so many good rookies, though. It's, it's a really solid class. There's no doubt. But my question is as simple as who was getting – who were people talking about each day? They weren't talking about Halliburton or or that guy you were telling me about from the Knicks um, quickly, quickly. Quickly. Yeah. Yes. yeah. They were talking about quickly. They were talking about LaMelo. Like that was always the subject of the highlights play, the top tens of every night. I, I just feel like he really was an electric player. Um, so we'll see. I, I think we'll see if they don't give it to him this year. I find that disappointing, but you're right. I think it is a very good rookie class and there has been a lot of good players from that class this year. A lot of them. Yeah, there's still. I mean, there's like about there's probably about twenty twenty five games left still. I yeah. mean, by the guess. You know what? One guy that I forgot to mention in that group, Anthony Edwards, and you mentioned it to me actually uh, in yeah. a game against uh, game for the Wolves. So according to the Las Vegas odds, with this injury, he now becomes the favorite to win the Rookie of the Year. But I notice I still don't agree with it, even as good as Anthony Edwards is. And he definitely is pretty good. Like, I remember seeing him in Georgia, too. But, yeah, I don't know. I would still give it to LaMelo. I probably would, too. But, I mean, you know, if if if, if uh, Ant Edwards, you know, he comes on strong in the next 25, 20, 25 games, I don't know. You might see a shift there. Um, he is exciting, though, man. He's He, remind, he reminds me a little bit of Russ Westbrook. I, mean, I just – you know, that real, like, powerful, like, um, kind of slasher type. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'll say is I think he's a better outside shooter than than Russ. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of who he reminds me of. And I've, I've only, I've, I haven't watched that many um, Wolves games, but I can't even remember what the game was. I was texting you, and I was watching you, and I'm like, wow. This, and he, in that particular game, he had, like, he had like four threes in the first quarter and he, I think he had like 18 of the wolves mm-hmm. points in the first quarter. I mean, he was on fire. Mm-hmm. And so, but he's, he's super exciting. And, and uh, you know, I really think like this is one of those years where the top three guys uh, and we're talking about LaMelo Ed, Edwards and um, well, it, 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 the actual order was Edwards Lamelo and Wiseman are, I mean, in my opinion, look like they they could be stars. I mean, I think, and that doesn't happen that often in the NBA. And and I think in this case, um, we might be seeing that. So, um, I don't know. It, it is a real bummer, though. It's a real bummer. Absolutely. I mean, it's it. I can just my hope for Lamelo is that he can recover, heal fully and then be back ready and stronger than ever for next season because it was a tremendous campaign. So um, hope he gets better. And and I guess thank you, too, because he, he really did entertain all of us all year long as NBA fans, so pretty cool. So, yeah, the Hornets, I, I, we, we, ta- we established that they can still make the playoffs. It's just not going to be the same. It's just naturally. I mean, he's the pretty much the leader at this point, even as a rookie. It's not unprecedented for a guy like that to lead a team. You remember, you all. I think it was clear that Magic, when he had his rookie season on the Lakers, by the end of the season he was the leader of the team, even with Kareem there. So, this gives you an idea how someone can be so good that his leadership skills can still make him the dominant person on the team despite being a rookie. But I believe it. Like I would buy into it completely. Um, now let's go to trade talk. I don't think the Hornets are going to try too hard on that in that area. But man, your Celtics, ooh, they are in on it. They are. We'll get to them in a second, but let's get to the big ones first. 
Um, well, that is a big one, though, because, you know, we, we don't really hear that much about Aaron Gordon these days, but I find him to be a very, very interesting player, like really a incredible athlete. And it's just funny how he just never seems to have put it, seemed to have put it together in terms of putting all of his skills and having you know, consistent performances every night. More on that later. But first, the big, the big talk is about Victor Oladipo. And the Pacers, I'm sorry, the Rockets are trying to deal him. The Heat and the Knicks were reluctant to offer top packages for Victor Oladipo. That's what we have. I think that's fairly recent information that was issued yesterday. The Pacers are also trying to, so in addition to the Rockets trying to get rid of Oladipo, you've got the Pacers trying to deal Malcolm Brogdon. And there are a number of suitors. One of them is the L.A. Clippers. And on top of Brogdon, the Pacers may try to move Aaron Holiday. That's very interesting that the Pacers are trying to sell. That is interesting to me. I wonder what that means. That we'll get to. Maybe I'll give you a chance to take a look at that. Uh, the other guys, Aldridge and Drummond. We already know that Lamarcus Aldridge is being is is trying to get moved, and the Spurs are trying to move him. And Drummond has been, uh, he's been in trade talks since the beginning of the season. Like they, this has been a topic in the off season. I'm kind of waiting for them to do this already. Um, that's about it. I mean, those are the big names, and then we mentioned Aaron Gordon and the, and the Celtics. I think he would be a great fit. But uh, Chris, uh, let's get your over your early look at the trade deadline talk, which um, which leads up to a trade deadline on March 25th. So yeah, you, you threw a lot of things at me just there. Um, yeah, you're right. I should have done that. I should probably have done this one by one. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um, so should we start with Old Depot? Yeah, let's just start with Old Depot. I was just okay. Right. So the rumors are the Knicks and did you see Miami? I, yeah, I, I saw Knicks. Heat, comma Knicks reluctant. So the Heat apparently were questioned. Maybe they were propositioned. I don't know if they necessarily were looking for him, but yeah. Yeah, I mean he's making he's making a nice chunk of change, and he's a he's a free agent after this season. I, I'm not sure. That, that's a weird one because, yeah. like, what would the Knicks what would the Knicks offer that could kind of match salaries there? Um, but I mean, I guess you know he's he's a scorer. I mean, I think I just can't imagine there's like you know any real value. Coming back to um, to Houston in this scenario, I mean, I just are they going to trade draft picks to get him for for a rental? I don't know. I mean, it just makes me think like Houston should have just kept Karis Levert, you know, in that in that original deal. Like, I don't even understand that. I would rather have Levert, I think, than whatever um, whatever they can get back from Miami or New York. And I, I just I I just don't feel like. Oladipo is, I mean, I just don't have a real good, you know, look, he's been injured and he hasn't been great this year. And I just don't feel like um, that's like a real winning piece there. Uh, you know, he's, he's really, yeah. I mean, he's had one of his worst seasons actually. Yeah. I'm not big on him either. Like I, I, I think the Rockets are doing the right thing, trying to get as much as they can, but, Nobody's going to offer a top package for that guy. Especially with, you know, with free agency coming and, and I don't know. It just, it underscores the fact that I really think they should have kept Karis LeVert yeah. on the original deal. And the, the, that part of the trade never really made sense to me. I think they've had the idea that because he's a bigger name that, and again, I don't know either. I'm just making, I'm just guessing. I, it seemed like maybe they felt they could get more in exchange for Oladipo, but the truth is, no. Like, he's kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say past his prime now. He's still pretty young, but he's just not that efficient a player. So I don't see that being too valuable in the modern NBA, and I think a lot of GMs are keen to that. So it's just going to be tough sledding for Houston. Yeah, and then... The other trade, and I did not hear this. You're, so you're saying they're they're looking to deal Brogdon? Yeah. Uh, the, sorry, the Pacers. The Pacers, which right. kind of surprised me. And to the Clippers, that's the rumor. 
yeah, it's it's funny because there was earlier talk about Miles Turner, and apparently the Pacers want to play hardball with him. But I am reading from Yahoo Sports. Vincent Goodwill made the made the report that the Pacers might be willing to part with Brogdon as they feel Karis LeVert can handle point guard duties, which is a fair point. I think he can. Uh, maybe that's true. So they might, from that standpoint, if Karis LeVert can continue to play, which he and he returned a couple weeks ago, so it was great to see that. But um, if they if they if he if they feel like he's good enough to just take over the role. Then they feel like Brockton is expendable. I find it very odd. I really do. I just feel like, unless there's something, some kind of salary involved that I'm not familiar with, I I don't really see the advantage of dealing somebody who's a potent scorer like Malcolm Brockton. Good defender, good ball handler, man. I mean, if the Clippers got him, I'm I'm just kind of reading up on this because I mm-hmm. I did not hear these rumors, but um. Yeah, what could the Clippers offer? But if the Clippers, uh, the, the other rumor I saw was the Sixers were in on it too, and if he goes out there, those teams, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan. I, I've always liked Brogdon. I mean, one Rookie of the Year about five years ago now, and um, you know, point guard, good shooter, can can kind of do it all. Like good ball handler, good passer. Um, makes a decent chunk of change. Makes you know around in the twenty one million dollar. Range, so you'd have to match salaries for the, if you're the Clippers. I don't know. I mean, if they traded, uh, you know, like Patrick Beverly, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, the Pacers, the way I see the Pacers is like they're looking long term and they're saying, okay, we got, we got Sabonis locked up and Lavert and Warren is going to be on his, on an expiring next year at 12 million. And of course he's been out a lot, but, um, but you know, I think they like, I think they like TJ Warren a lot too when he comes back and maybe they're thinking like, this is kind of like, this is kind of the, this is, these are the three guys we want to build around. Sabonis, Levert, Warren. Um, I just, I don't see Turner really fitting in there. And I just, I think they'd love to get rid of that deal. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a that that's I mean I guess that's kind of the thinking there. But man, he would he would help either the Sixers or the Clippers immensely. I just I I gotta I'm without matching up the salaries. I gotta see what um, what the Clippers could even offer. And uh, I don't know. Like, what were the rumors you were seeing on that on that front? Oh, uh, who who which one again? You 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 mentioned the Clippers, like oh yeah, okay, Clippers, yeah. So I mean, they're just they're speculating that the Clippers could be a potential suitor for Brogdon, and and then just some addition, just the, the detail that they were they're already looking at moving Aaron Holiday as well. Maybe that would be part of the same transaction. That's interesting too. So yeah, I I mean I'm not really I I. I guess it's a look ahead for the Pacers, but the Pacers are well in the thick of the playoff run, so that's why I think it's so odd. They're not exactly an old team. That's why it's so weird about that, you know. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta look into that, man. If the Clippers see, I don't see what the Clippers could offer Indiana that would interest them. Because they're they Patrick Beverly's Patrick Beverly's actually making less than than Brogdon, but man, if they landed Brogdon, that would be like ridiculously good. I don't know. We got We got We'll have to see that one play out. I I I would be shocked if they traded him. But I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. I, I'm. Here's the thing. I'm I'm a bit of a skeptic. I think I mentioned this last time on a lot of big deals happening. Or big big deals mean big trades. Just because the players are expanded this year, so we got ten teams in each conference, and um, more. So more teams are in it. There are fewer sellers. There are more buyers, and it just it doesn't really feel like. Um, you know, it just doesn't feel like, uh, to me anyways, that there there's going to be a lot of trades that go down. Uh, 
you know, I, I feel like in an NBA, it's such a strange thing, but the phenomenon is that you get teams that are, you know, kind of, you, 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 you kind of have like one team that has like a valuable asset and he's making this much money. And then you, you have like the other team who's trying to trade for him mm-hmm. and you're trying to match the salaries. So the, the player going back might not be very good. But then they add like a whole bunch of sweeteners, like a, like some draft picks or maybe a young guy who's not making very much. And then you kind of match that up. And, and that's how trades work in general in the NBA. Right. Um, but in this case, I just don't, or not in this case, but in general, I, I feel like this year, I don't think like we're going to see a whole lot because I just don't feel like there's, um, there are just that many sellers who are going to, you know, kind of blow things up. I mean, you know, we'll see how that goes down. Um, the other guy we mentioned was Aaron Gordon to the Celtics, and I've heard all kinds of rumors like Marcus Smart going the other way. I don't know about that one. I, I you know, I'm kind of, I, you know, I've kind of grown attached to Marcus Smart. Um, Gordon, though, it's it's interesting. He's actually, I saw a stat. He's shooting over forty percent from three, which is like something he's never been good at. He's just never been a good three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I basketball reference, he's at 402 um, from three, which is interesting. And he's like a good defensive wing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like the problem with the Celtics is they really do need guards. And trading smart kind of you know, it's, it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like... You've spoken his praises a lot on the show. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I feel like, you know, I, he hasn't been... He, he's had a, he's actually had an off year for him, but I just still feel like, uh, you know, we haven't seen the best of Marcus Smart uh, this year. And, and I, I, I don't know, I'd be kind of reluctant to pull the trigger on that. And man, Boston looks bad right now. They I watched the game last night against Memphis, and it was like a layup drill. I mean, Memphis like they must have scored eighty <laughs> points in the paint. No, I'm serious. Wow. And this is a team that cannot shoot, mm-hmm. so they you know kind of know what they're going to do. I mean, shoot from the outside, and it like Boston could not guard them down low, and it was just like. Um, yeah, it was pretty ugly. So, I mean, if I'm the Celtics, I'm not really that enthused about being a buyer right now just because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't feel like that optimistic about their chances in the playoffs. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's been such an awful year for them. And I mean, part of it is, you know, Smart being out and Kemba being out and, Tatum getting COVID. Tatum has not been the same guy since he came back from COVID. Um, Jalen's had, had the knee injury. So it's just, I, I am almost like, you know, kind of stamp hat, see where the draft, you know, where they land in the, in the draft. I mean, at this point, I mean, it's not out of the question that they'll be in the lottery and, and, and kind of go from there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't shake things up too much if I'm Boston. Yeah, uh, it almost seems like they're trying to be buyers with a trade like that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. I wouldn't do yeah. it. I mean, I like Aaron Gordon. and I, The 40% from three kind of interested me. I'm just looking on the volume. And the volume's like, he's taking four and a half three-pointers per game, so it's still pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't I, – I don't know. I like him. I do like him. And I, Orlando, if any team is going to make a trade, I think it's going to be Orlando because they've got so many guys like Vucevic. I mean, there's so many possibilities there. It's like Vucevic, um, you know, Gordon, uh, and also um, uh, Fournier, who's on an expiring. What, Evan Fournier. Well, I was going to say, it could be Fournier. I was, or maybe, where would you... Would they try Mo Bamba at all? Like, would that be? On the I mean, table? Mo Bamba like is another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think he's still on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bamba for sure. I mean, he, he just 
he's been he's been a big disappointment there. So oh, yeah. any of those guys might be available because um, they're just you know they're kind of like in teardown mode at this point. And yeah, Warnier is going to be gone. I think it's After- hilarious because you're talking about them rebuilding from like nothing. Like, in other words, they're trying to rebuild after not doing anything. <laughs> what are they rebuilding? There's Was there something that was built that they have to rebuild? It's like, they were terrible the entire time. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, I guess rebuild might not be the right word, but just that um, they did have all these guys making like a, a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Vooch, uh, Gordon, and and Fournier and, you know, that whole wave of, of talent is, you know, is kind of, they're going to have to kind of move on from probably two or three of those guys. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, definitely with Vucevic, Vucevic because he's making a lot of money and, and they're not doing a lot of winning. So it's, he's pretty useless there right now. So you may as well get some value for him. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, and he would be attractive to a lot of teams, too. Very much so, yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at their contracts. So, Vooch, and Vooch's contract is interesting because it's structured so that it actually it decreases year by year. So, $26 million this year, 24 next, and then 2023 is making $22 million. So, that has a lot of appeal for teams, too, that it's not, there's not an escalator in there. And then... Um, and Gordon is going to be on expiring next year, and and uh, and as I pointed out, uh, um, Fournier is expiring. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it, you know that that was my phrase to to use rebuilding, but um, but it is a teardown at this point. They they are mm-hmm. going to have to um, rethink their salaries and rethink how they're. Uh, how much they're paying people and, and kind of figure out the next steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the teardown in question is the solid move. It's just, to, it's, it's just an, an it's interesting, it's interesting terminology. I think more than anything, um, when you talk about <laughs> a rebuild, cause the rebuild implies that they act built something before, but, uh, you're not the first to even say that. I think I've seen that word used in other places in the NBA media. So, um, it's just a common thing to say, well, when they're going to blow it up, they're going to start over. So you rebuild, certainly. But they're just not going to rebuild from a very high point, you know? It's like, or a very low point. It's just, they, it should be fairly easy for them to do this, at least to start it. And then we'll see if they can make the right decisions this time around. Yeah, they, they kind of notoriously in the last 10 years have like just, Make bad decision after bad decision, and and Oladipo is one of those where they just kind of let him, let him go from like basically nothing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, and I mean they they, you know they they've really been very poor. It'd be interesting to see if they actually, you know, can get some real value for some of these guys. Like I said, mm-hmm. Vucevic, like I think would have appeal. For, I, I mean, I can't off the top of my head, I can't think of a team that would. Uh, you know, would trade a lot for him, but I, I think he would have a lot of appeal because he's still like, he's a really good center, uh good passer or big. And, um, you know, if, if the Celtics were in the thick things, he'd be interesting, but I, I just feel like, um, you know, if they can extract value from some of these guys, Gordon or, or Fournier, For, lesser Fournier, just cause he's on the expiring, but mostly Gordon or Vucevic, uh, uh, you know, they could be on their way to, um, you know, to building up some a nice little stockpile there. But, um, but yeah, you, you know, historically in, in the last, you know, 10 years, they've, they've done a very poor job. I mean, they've, you know, we kind of made fun of them over the years and uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, what, and were there other, other any other um, trade uh, options that trade aspect up. uh trade yeah let's see uh i think the only other guy was like gorgeous georgia Jiang, and that's pretty much it that there really was nothing else of note um oh there was a there was a silly one the blazers had reported interest in javel mcgee and i i guess i don't really have much to say about that i, I don't know 
No, seriously, what what would be the value in that? I don't know. Um, I don't think he's particularly good. So like, <laughs> I know they need some 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 size because Nurkic is still out. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess you can try it, but I just don't give up too much. I guess I, I don't really have an opinion on that one. Yeah, it's so funny. Like the the Cavs, you know, they traded. Um, well, I mean, they, they, you know, they traded for Andre Drummond a few years ago, and now they got they signed Javale McGee, and then in that trade with the Nets, they got um, um, what's his name, the the center from Texas. Uh, uh, Jared Allen, and so they're all of a sudden they're really stocked with centers, and so they're they're trying to get rid of, you know, two of them at least, because uh, Jared Allen looks like you know at least he looks like the future at that position for that team, um, and uh, Drummond hasn't played in like weeks. I mean, it's kind of a joke. I mean, but he hasn't. I don't. I think he's hasn't played in like six weeks, so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Chavale, you know, is is, is kind of hanging out there, and he's not making a lot of money. So, so I, you know, I can kind of see why Portland might be interested in him as a backup to, uh, um, to uh, what's his name? The guy was on the Celtics last year. I'm just trying to blank. Cantor. And so I, I think, you know, I think like. I, I, you know, it's not it, that's not going to move the needle a whole lot, but I, I feel like, um, you know, it's more. It's probably that's probably coming from Cleveland. Like, well, yeah, let's see what we can we can find some interest in uh, in some of these uh, the bigs that we have and try to get rid of them. And don't and for, I forget, don't forget, you know, Kevin Love is on that team too. They've got a lot of of uh, a glut. Of, of big guys, mm-hmm. Larry Nance Jr., who's been outstanding this year, he's been great. Is on a, a you know a power forward center kind of position. So um, so yeah, they're 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 going to try to do what they can to, to kind of clear out some of the bigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget if is Drummond on. I can't remember how many years he has on his deal, and I just I want to look it up real quick because I think he might be. Two years out, they might get bought. They will both get bought out. Actually, if you think about how that might take place, we already talked about how Aldridge might get bought out if they don't get a trade going. And I think the odds in terms of Aldridge are greater than not that he does. So I can look up. I can look up Drummond as well. No, that's an expiring. So yeah, that that yeah. is a definite case where I I suspect he will be bought out. Um, and we talked about LaMarcus Aldridge too. He, he will probably be bought out. I mean, there were time, last time we talked about him, it was the, the Spurs were posturing that they were going to actually trade him, but mm-hmm. this, I can't imagine there's a market for that, you know, huge contract expiring, um, skills are diminished yep. and, you know, I just, I, I, I think he, th- those two guys look like total buyout options for me. You will definitely. This will definitely be the case. I'm looking at Spot Track, and they are saying that in 2021, so this coming off season, uh, Drummond will be an unrestricted free agent. So it really, there really is a lot of pressure on the Cavs to trade for trade something for him. We're gonna see if they pull it off, or maybe they buy him out, like you were saying. Like maybe they'll buy him out too, as I mentioned earlier. With Drummond, I, yeah. I totally think I totally think he get, he's a he's going to get bought out. Yeah, yeah. It's just and it's then, so, I mean, yeah, no, absolutely, because it's so late in the season by now. It's not like the value that's remaining on the contract is much. Maybe at this point, it's like ten million bucks at most. He's <laughs> probably not much left. He's already yeah. played more than half the season, so there's no there's almost no incentive to not buy him out if they cannot find a trade and. The odds of that at this point are unlikely. I think that's why a lot of people didn't buy it on him because it's like he's so deep into his contract and he is now 27 going on 28. So it just doesn't seem like it's the, the kind of upside you want in a trade in in a uh, in a trade acquisition. So he'd be a better asset if he was, in fact, released, you know, released and bought out. And then you can sign him to like a veteran contract and something. 
relatively inexpensive. So that concludes our trade talk. That's pretty much it. Like you're right, this is a very light trade deadline this year. There have been better, there have been bigger ones, there have been more exciting ones. I don't foresee that this time, but we've been wrong before on this. Sometimes there's just a whole bunch of stuff that we don't see coming, and then it does. So, do you have any predictions as far as what will happen? Yeah, watch, watch. We get off the air, and Bradley Beal gets traded. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to come back next week and go. Like, oh yeah, by the way, we we're downplaying the trade market, and and uh, Beal got traded. Well, <laughs> just as we were getting just off. like that. Um, no, I mean, here's here's one other aspect of Drummond before we, we move on. He hasn't played since February 12th. That okay. was the last game he played. So just think, like we were talking about, you know, the Harden trade was February 14th. Mm-hmm. Since Harden's been in Brooklyn, Drummond has not played a single game, which is kind of eye-opening when you think it's about it. It's eye-opening because it shows his lack. And I, I think I was going to make this point on an earlier show. I forgot. But that says to me, because he's not hurt. He just doesn't want to play. He's quote saving himself. What are you saving yourself for? Like that's a guy that doesn't that that guy to me that lacks compete, and I don't trust guys like that in the NBA. So yeah, I'd be really careful with people who are too cautious about themselves when they're not actually hurt. It's like you know, at some point you gotta want to play the game. So you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like you're you're a draft pick or anything. You're already paid. Like you're already in the NBA. It's like what what's your incentive to not play? until you get to a better team. That doesn't seem like I don't I don't find that appealing. I agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm just not a huge Andre Drummond fan in general. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I hear you there. Yeah. I've never been a big, big Andre Drummond fan either. Like he's not that he's just not that great. Like I just I, I am surprised. Twenty seven years old. I, I I assumed he was on the other side of 30, but mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. I mean, but he just, he always seemed, he just, he just, it struck me that maybe he was older, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what shocked me is that he's still, I mean, he's still like fairly young. I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I just, he'll never, he, he's kind of a dinosaur when you think about it. He's, he'll never see that kind of money that he got on that last contract again. I mean, he's yeah. just gonna, he'll, he'll, he'll have a place in the league. He'll bounce around. But he'll be making like that minimum elsewhere. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I mean, you got to give it him credit for for landing the deal when he did. It appears he got that in that little wave of two, 2016 bad contracts. It seems like if this is a five year contract, man, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, I think that's right because like you know five years on and we're into 2021. So yeah, that's about right. I think that's right. So. Yeah, so that that that's pretty much our show. I mean, any any other thoughts you had before we go? No, I'm just I got the Brooklyn um, at Portland game on, and it's it's a close one. And Harden actually did start. I mean, we off air we I, I was kind of curious. I'm just a little Nets talk since um, since they are an interesting team. Um, They're also the favorite in the East at this point, aren't they? I I they'd be mine. But um, it is interesting because KD hasn't played in a long time. Yeah. And we, we uh, off air, I was just kind of curious and I looked at uh, at the Nets and like what, how many games the big three have played together. And mm-hmm. it turns out since, since the Harden trade, which is, was in mid February, they played a total of seven games altogether. And the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest issue there has been KD is, hasn't played. So, uh, they're still winning, and Harden's like been kind of the been the rock in that uh, in that lineup because uh, he's he he's only missed one game since he he uh, got to Brooklyn. But um, I, I you know again you know what matters is the playoffs, right? And so make sure KD's ready, healthy, and uh, and and go from there. But um, but yeah, this is a good one. Uh, uh, tie game, forty-six all, uh, about midway through the second quarter. That's a good for- spot. That's good. That's a good spot. I was hoping for a good game. I just wasn't sure with the Nets being so short-handed, and it looks, it does look like it's a great matchup. And a shame that TNT didn't go to it because, to me, this is a more interesting game. And you said the same thing. You think this is a more interesting game than the Sixers? Warriors, yeah, I agree. I mean, 
And it's even worse yeah. because, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, I, I'm trying to think it like pre, I, like, I guess they, they scheduled this being a season, but even then I would have picked this game. I mean, like, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought the Warriors were, uh, you know, a marginal playoff team and I like the Sixers, but like, these are two teams that I, you know, I figured would be certainly in the playoffs and mm-hmm. um, both probably in the top of their, you know, top four in their respective conferences. So totally, totally. So uh, yeah, I, it is a little surprising. It is surprising, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't even che- actually checked in on that Sixers game. Is it? It, it it's. It appears yeah, that Sixers have a thirteen-point lead. Yeah. That's about what we would have expected. Curry is not playing tonight for the Warriors. They're already out. They're all. They are already out. Clay Thompson. They have been the whole entire year. So it's just not much to talk about with the Warriors tonight. And this should. Oh man. Yeah. TNT's kicking themselves about that one. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It, it just didn't seem like a sensible. It didn't seem like the right call at the t- even back then. Like you said, it's just because. I just feel like there's more juice with whenever you get Dame involved in the game. How many times have you seen him, even on, especially on TNT, like rise up and have big shots in it at the end of a game, and you have a close game, and he's making great shot after great shot. Just he's launching these threes, and and he's really keeping the team in the game, rallying them for a comeback. Now, a good example this week was a regular game, not a not a TNT game, but one where the Mavs had a big lead on them in Portland. And they came, and the Blazers came back to win anyway. That's the power of Dame Time. Like he's so good at rallying a team to win a game, no matter what the score is or how many points it is. It's it's really remarkable to watch. Yeah, and it, you know, and you think like with LeBron out, like kind of the door is LeBron and Embiid both missing a bunch of time. You know, does he see like a window where he could win the MVP this year? And you know he's been putting up incredible numbers. I mean, yeah. it, it, I mean he's got to be in the discussion at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean all the more reason to watch this game. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. So keep me posted in the text on that because I'm I'm really that just seems like a fun game. I'm looking forward to to following the rest of it. Definitely, we'll do. All right. Well, till then, uh, enjoy your evening and thanks again for for doing this with me. Um, good luck to your fantasy team as well just throwing that in there and uh it's been fun and and then we'll we'll do it again at some point soon i don't know exactly when but you know there's no there's always good time to talk basketball chris definitely thanks for having me dave you got appreciate it. it all right take care that's chris in georgia that is our program tonight thank you very much for listening everyone and our continuing basketball coverage is our continuing basketball coverage rolls on into tomorrow when we have our friend Chris in Syracuse to, to share some more notes, news and notes with us as we recap the NCAA tournament so far. I am Dave Medina. You can find us in several venues on the web at deadcow.com, on Twitter at deadcow, on Facebook, facebook.com slash deadcow. And if you want to subscribe to us, we're on Apple Podcasts or your podcast feed of feeder of choice. Look for Dave in the City Out West. We hope you've enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your rest of your evening and we will see you next time. <laughs>